Hey, so question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you like conflict? Are you a person that runs headlong into conflict or like avoids it? I don't like conflict. Uh, So my tendency would be to run from it, but being a parent now, that kind of shifted it. Tell me, what do you mean? Well, you can't just run away from screaming kids. (laughs) (laughs) Not legally. (laughs) Uh, So you kind of have to learn to deal with the conflict. Would you say that your daughters, you've got two daughters about the same, about the same age. Mm -hmm. They're about what two years apart? Eight and five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three years apart. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a son who's much younger, but do your daughters fight? Is is that what happens? They do. They do. There's conflict. So you have to mediate. And yes, we'll come in, mediate and have to figure out how to have to decipher what the actual issue is. Sure. So you're saying being a parent has made you more realize you have to realize that sometimes being conflict avoidant is not the way to go. Right. Doesn't lead to health. Yeah. Um yeah, certainly that's true. Do you have a moment when you remember running away from conflict or or being conflict avoidant and it didn't work out well? Yeah. Actually, I do. I I remember um this is early years in college. Uh, I had a friend that there was some conflict. Is this a bad roommate story? This isn't. No, this isn't. I have one. Of, I have some of those as well. But this one is just more of a. I had a friend that I don't even remember what the issue was. There was some conflict that rose up, and and I consciously made the decision that I was going to run away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said I don't want to deal with it. I am just going to run away from it, and I'm going to give just kind of you know the awkward silent treatment. Uh, How'd that go? It, not good because they were better at doing this their own silent treatment, and so literally it just causes a weird tension. And on top of that, we also worked together in the same in the same uh, place, so we were literally seeing each other every day, but just had this weird, weird tension elef- elephant El- in the room. Do you remember what it was over? I, it was just was su- it stupid or it important? Was, it was just such a stupid thing, and I just I was so stubborn. And uh, finally, after, I mean, it was probably weeks where we went just silent. Finally, I was the one to break down and, and deal with the conflict. And what would you say? And like, hey, listen, man, I need to talk about how, <laughs> what, I, what did the person do? It wasn't. You can't it, remember. I can't even remember. Like, it was just such a, it's just this, I think it was just like a conversation, like something that was said that was not intended to be hurtful, ended up being hurtful. And it was a, supposed oh, wow. to be a joke. Hmm. And so finally, I just had to admit, like, okay, yeah. I was being dumb about it. I should have come here earlier. And then finally, and then as soon as I said that, it was like, you know, the bottle burst open. I was like, oh, finally, good. yeah. So like, let's get back to it. When I was in college, I also had that experience. I, uh, my junior, no, my senior year of college, I lived in New York City. Mm. So I was part of an arts program and there was like student housing mm-hmm. for all these students from all these different universities who came together to work in the arts in New York City. So sure. it was a Great Lakes art program. And so there's this big building filled with a bunch of artists, which is a terrible mm. idea. <laughs> a lot of emotions. Oh, <laughs> boy. So I'm a, I might have been at that point one of the most stable people. <laughs> not one of the most quiet. I remember, I, I, so I, I am not to blame at this. Mm-hmm. I am not faultless in this scenario sure. because I remember I would like play music with my like radio yeah. In uh, the bathroom <laughs> it when I was like showering or whatever. Sure, and right. and it was it would echo and people were like, why is there a dude singing Mariah Carey at this hour? So loud. So I'm not faultless. Mm-hmm. But 
there was a girl and she was a um she was a white girl with dreadlocks. So that okay. tells you pretty much all you need to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was a vegan at the time. And that was not a thing that really was big back then. Okay. Yeah. This was like late 90s. Mm-hmm. So she, but she wasn't just a vegan. She was imperialist vegan. Mm, so it wasn't, kind. <laughs> it wasn't just that she wanted not to eat meat or animal products. She didn't want you to either. And so what she would do is she would like pour out my milk and throw away my yogurt and I'm a college student. I don't have a ton of money. Right. So we had like these common fridges and, and my milk would be gone and she would throw away stuff. And I just didn't say anything. Mm. And then it came time for Thanksgiving and she's like, you guys cannot make anything meat related. Oh no. And I'm like, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, of course right. we are. <laughs> like we're not, I'm like, we're, so we made a turkey and, uh-huh. and dressing and stuffing and all that jazz and all sorts of other things. And she was so mad. She's like, I told you not to do it. And she was so mad. She took like the, the like oven mitts and she took the stuffing and she opened up the window and she threw it out onto like the fire escape out the window and i'm like what and then she went and she she took she went to grab the pan that had the turkey in it oh no she's like i can't believe that you guys would do this i can't believe that you would go behind my back and and we're like it's thanksgiving we're making a turkey don't eat it like i'm sorry she's like you know the smells are in the salt the smells are in the salt i'm like I think they smell kind of delicious, right. frankly. Yeah. It's, you know. uh, so she went to grab the turkey and throw it out of the fire escape. And I was oh, like, no. and then my buddy, Corey, he finally stood up to her. He grabbed her, grabbed her hands and said, hands off the bird. Yeah. And he yeah. added another word, but I, I can't say it here on this podcast. And the point was that that was, and I was like, well, we probably should have done that a while ago. We probably should have had the conversation about you taking and throwing away our stuff. <laughs> But I didn't, and I was—I I think it was coward, cowardice, probably. Yeah, maybe I don't know. No, I was also trying to be nice. Like I didn't know how to navigate that, right? Because right. yeah. you're like, what are you yeah, supposed I didn't to do? Want milk anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I thought somebody else had drank it, and I was fine with that because sure. a lot of the people in the place were totally cool. I was like, oh, maybe somebody needed milk because yeah. they ran out. Sharing is caring. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, so man. yeah, That's... conflict. You, I think sometimes. If you can cover over the offense, you should. Yeah. But sometimes you can't avoid it, man. Yeah, and sometimes the true. most peaceful and loving thing is to confront it head on. Yeah. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about. We are here in the book of Matthew. And Matthew's actually going to detail a moment where Jesus starts picking a fight. And he does it for the benefit of everybody. So with that, let's just dive in. We got Steve Clifford and Karina Gerard here. Les, thanks for telling your story. No problem. And I I pray that both of us will get better at conflict. (laughs) Amen. Especially with vegans (laughs) and children. Screaming children and vegans. It'd be be great. All right, let's 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 dive in. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the afterword here in the studio. Live and in person. <laughs> I was going to say with the two people on Westgate staff who, if there was a giant cage fight, would be the two remaining. And I believe that to my core, that's true. Yes. So I, I'd agree. I No, I agree. Even with your bum knee yeah. right now, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Hey, you would, hey, there's no gimp jokes here. No, I'm just, he's recovering. He's, I, I am. He's recovering. He, I still would take you over every other. He's a baddie. He was just. <laughs> Don't tell his doctor. He was just riding a motorcycle. You were not. He was. Steve, you just had knee surgery. Worse than that, I fell. It was. You fell on your bike. I fell on, on my knee. On the knee. On the new knee. It was bad. Don't tell you his s- wife. You took a spill on your motorcycle. I did. And you landed on your surgically reconstructed knee. I did. 
Are you okay? Can we play the bionic? Was that Steve? Steve something? It's, hey, it's, it's Steve. All, it's hey. all good now. Does it hurt? Um, it's it's getting better. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. how about how about you don't destroy your newly surgically reconstructed knee? I didn't. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's uh, okay. It's well, all, good. All still in place. I may have a small dent. <laughs> just in, a small in just the metal. Just, in the metal. Yeah, it's metal. You got metal in there. Yeah. Yes. You got metal in your knee? He's like half AI now. <laughs> Wait, you did have LASIK. So oh, you are you're oh. starting to turn bionic. Cyborg. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Must assimilate. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. How about Matthew? Okay. <laughs> so when we last left, uh, Jesus had been doing a whole bunch of different uh, miracles and now we're into this part where Matthew was recording how people are responding mm. last week we talked about how John the Baptist was like hey what are you doing mm. and he's kind of upset at him and that's one of his own that's his uh, basically that's the prophet before Jesus the king this is his his cousin their bros and John the Baptist is upset yeah. um, partially because things aren't working out the way that he wanted but partially also because the bad guys seem to be winning now we have another reaction the disciples are walking through a field, and uh, somebody said they shoplift some grain. Although, <laughs> I looked into this, and... It's it, part of the law. It's, it's actually, actually part okay. of uh, Leviticus 19 yes. and Deuteronomy 23 and Ruth 2, yeah. which is you're allowed to, you're allowed to once it's been harvested, you're allowed to glean. Yes. So it's not shoplifting or stealing, but that's not why they get in trouble. It's not because they're stealing. It's because they're eating uh, grain on the Sabbath, which would have been akin to harvesting. Yeah. And so it's that they rub the grain in their hands and prepare it to eat. <laughs> so, so that's the, so the idea is that you're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. And right. this was a big deal to the, to the Pharisees. Um, so they provoke, they call them on the carpet and uh, Jesus says, actually you guys have it wrong. And now we have a battle. We have a confrontation between the Pharisees and Jesus. And this is kind of the, I would say this is the first time we're going to get a lot more. We're going we're gonna to be spending a lot of weeks talking about the confrontation. But Jesus is like, he, he, there's some confrontation, and then Jesus seems to pick a fight, and so there's some back and forth. So um, you guys have the conflict um, passages, which I know doesn't bother either of you. That's right. Because hey, both, not at all. Is that why we got a sign? I think so. Uh, I don't think but so. some people out there, uh, and some people on this podcast, are conflict avoidant. So, mm -hmm. um, so first of all, talk about the idea that Jesus is in conflict with people, because that doesn't, for some people, that 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 might be an idea that is hard to understand. That Jesus is in in conflict with people. Yeah, the, in fact, the the tension in Matthew it's is structured in such a way where Jesus all the conflicts kind of play out along the way, and so this has been coming for a while. He laid out a discourse in Matthew five, six, and seven that basically redefined um, the Pharisees think that you can actually get in by just keeping the rules and keeping a list. It's a really long list, but Jesus is saying, no, if there's not a transformation from the inside about how you think about people, how you treat the people, especially the most down and out, you're not, you're not moving in the right direction. And th so that, that's already ticked them off. So it's been coming for a while. And they've argued about um, who has authority over some things, and now it has, it has busted out um, pretty full bore. Um, and he's basically saying, you, you're not, you're not reading the heart of God correctly. 
um, in this. And, he, and he, it's so easy for him to shut them down. Did, haven't you read? He, by the way, haven't you read is the most critical thing you can say to a Pharisee. Right, because right. they're students of the law. They, they have memorized every word. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- haven't I read it? I've memorized it. I right. say it in my sleep. Right. <laughs> well, then how, are you, you know, then how are you getting this so wrong? You remember mm-hmm. what David did? In so, fact, yeah. your own practices, your own practices yeah. violate the Sabbath every single week. So to give the Pharisees a little bit of a break, because their job was to make sure that the the rule uh, the law of God was read, right. understood, and then obeyed. Right. So that that makes sense. And now what's at at um, how would you say it? And conflict is who gets to interpret how the law is properly read. Is that how you'd say it? How would you say it, Karina? Yeah, I mean, I think that just placing this in its historical context, we have to realize that the people of Israel had been sent into exile because of their disobedience to the covenant. Um, And they've come back to Israel, and then there's these like 400 years of silence. And during this time, uh, the Pharisees rise up, and I would say their like greatest motivation, in a way, is fear. They're like Mm. so afraid of what had just happened. What had just happened. We just got stomped by some empires and we were taken away from our holy land, led away by hooks and we didn't even get a temple. Right. So you're saying that that was kind of seared in their consciousness. Yes. And so this fear motivated control has caused them to not only have the original laws of the Old Testament, but then even adding more and more and more conditions to it in a way that eventually became oppressive to the people and just set the bar at such a level that I think felt hopeless to a lot of people and in a lot of ways failed to demonstrate love and gentleness yeah. and kindness like and mercy. The, it's like they were so concerned about the rules or the 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 specifics that they lost like the the meaning behind it. Yeah, I think if you look in if they looked in their culture, they break off from Sadducees because the Sadducees are compromising and be, and really teaming up with Romans. So they're they're for good reasons, they're trying to guard um, the purity mm-hmm. of what they see about their faith. Um, but legalism is when it's left to brew a little bit among your heart it always turns to harshness outward yeah it's this harshness that is extended to others who are not keeping what you consider the very standards that make a difference about them as a people yeah um it's interesting you know the pharisees don't last very long um they they're not birthed until the silence period and they don't make it much past the temple right um, which is only seven, you know, forty-five years, forty years after Jesus. So, um, but at, these are these folks are really—they're the most righteous in behavior of anybody we would have ever met. Yeah, because at, what's at risk here, or what's it? What's being adjudicated is who's obeying the scriptures properly. And you're saying Jesus is saying you guys are missing it. Oh, so right. So clearly. so talk about how they're missing it, because Karina, you had a line that I thought was—it was so good. Uh, it kind of encapsulated what Jesus is saying. So you want? Why don't you go ahead and share that? Because it was all for me. It was like, if you would have just used that as your sermon and just <laughs> said that one line, we could have just all sat there for forty minutes and just reflected. And what was that? Yeah, uh, Jesus has no patience for good people who are not good to people. 
Yeah. Man, where is that from? Do you do you remember where you yeah, got that? Yeah, it's actually Andy Stanley. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that yeah. the the pastor from uh, North Point in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so when Jesus says, "I desire mercy, um, not sacrifice," is that what he's saying in that moment? Is that what is that is that how you would almost like translate that? Yeah, that, that you know Jesus in his own way puts these things together. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's forever linking a love for God with how you treat people. Yeah. And in fact, a guy comes to him one day and says, hey, you know, I'm a student of the law. How would you sum this all up? And Jesus answers with that. He's like, love God, love your neighbor. All these other commands are really a fulfillment of these two things. So, you know, there's like 613, I think, you know, moral, civil uh, laws in the Old Testament. But all of them are just different kinds of ways we can love God and love our neighbor. If we've become so fanatical about those 613, but have missed the love component, we've missed it altogether. Yeah. The 613 are how we fulfill the love. Yeah. The love is first, and yeah. this is like ways to do it. Right, and and I love what Jesus does. He doesn't say, hey, listen, the scriptures don't matter. Yeah. Oh. It, like, look what he says. He says, you haven't read them carefully enough. enough. Yes. Yeah. Because that moment he's referring to, he refers back to a moment in uh, 1 Samuel 21 when um, David and his companions are starving. They're, yeah. they're very, very hungry. And they come into the temple, and at the time, I think this is how it worked, the the Levite, the priest, had to make 12 loaves of bread before every Sabbath. is called something called showbread. Mm-hmm. And I, somebody, I, th- I think it was John Ortberg, once said that God wanted his temple to smell like fe- fresh baked bread every, every and I'm like, that, that sounds, sounds good. Great, yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Because <laughs> it's inviting, right? And the yeah. showbread's there, and nobody gets to touch it because it's almost like a symbol of God's presence and his provision. Yes. But then at the end of the Sabbath, the, the priests get to eat it. Mm-hmm. And so David comes in, he's starving, and the priest, uh, who was Ahimelech, sorry, Ahimelech is the priest. God he's, bless you. Sorry, I know. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm probably saying it wrong. Ahimelech, he's like, hey, listen, I know that this bread is for God, but really it's, it, there's a, there's a higher need for it. It's for God's people. So go ahead and take it. And he mm-hmm. gives them the bread in quote violation of the Sabbath, but he's not violating the Sabbath law because it's, it's, you know, he's not. It, and so Jesus responding to the, needs the need of, of people. Right. Yeah. So when he showed up for that, Jesus was saying it was, um, that's not really the, that human need supersedes um, is the requirement of the law yes. that it supersedes it. And even as you were saying, the fact that, you know, these guys are eating grain that has been intentionally left there as a condition of the law that says, hey, guys, when you harvest, don't harvest the whole thing. Leave some on the outer edges. The law was written with mercy in mind. For it, those who couldn't, like those uh, the alien, the, the the fatherless, the widow. Yeah, those it, who couldn't have a grain or harvest. Yeah, And it, this, is not, this is not something that's, that's hard. Point. It's not something that... It's a hidden message of the Old Testament. It's all over the place. And honestly, if the Pharisees had really gotten the exile, it wasn't because they followed, they failed to follow every like iota of the law. It was that they had missed the love component. I mean, when you read the prophets, the main thing is like, 
the, the widow, the orphan, the alien you have mistreated. There is no love or kindness or justice or mercy in this land. It's not like you failed to tithe your mint. That's why you're going into right, exile. Right. It's like you you totally failed the love thing. And, That's why and you went the to vertical exile. love part. You, he, uh, the, uh, the, adul- well. the adulteress, yeah. the idolatrous, yes. adulterous aspect. So it's like both components. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So what now? Now here's what's difficult. There's a, or here's how I experience these texts. I'm like, yeah, Jesus, give it to him. <laughs> because these are people who are missing the point. Mm. And I think we all can like point to various, you know, personalities that are outrage driven that, you know, are around that we're like, oh man, I don't like that person or that person is uh, exactly the Pharisee. And so what it does is it turns me to say, oh, Jesus, get him, right? Yeah. What's the risk in in us becoming like this? How can we miss this? Or how have you seen people miss this? Because uh, obviously these people are on the receiving end of Jesus's rebuke, like conflict. They are anti-Jesus. So that's not great. Now you, you mentioned fear. That could be yeah, a place to go. This is 100%. I think instead of pointing this towards someone else as the Pharisee, looking at myself, where am I seized by fear in the changes that I'm seeing in the world around me. There's a lot of things changing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people living in a way that I would not choose to live. Culture isn't going in a direction I would not choose to go. And so left to my own devices, my natural instinct would be out of fear to want to lock things down, control things. I mean, I don't know that we want to open a can of worms. Can you edit this out? But, (laughs) you know, right now, everything going on with Target. You know, it's like people see something, it's scary. They don't know how to respond to it. So the immediate response is just shut it down. I think you're, you're referring to uh, targeted displays in Target that mm-hmm. are LGBTQ for the month of June, which is LGBTQ plus um, month. Yes. And there's boycotts and all kinds of things. People are arranging boycotts and a lot of people are upset at this, right? That's what you're referring to. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think as a Christian, you know, the, what would Jesus do? I think, first of all, whenever fear is a motivating, you know, factor in our life, probably the outcome's never going to be a good thing. Right. Fear can't be driving my decisions and behaviors and the way that I'm treating people, but just, okay, in love, what would it look like for me? So to- what could possibly drive out fear? Well, let's go back a little bit. So <laughs> Scripturally. Here's, here's one is that I'm reminded therapist once told me that um, anger is actually a secondary yeah. emotion. Mm, yep, yes, yep. right. And can, if you think about that, then that, dis, that helps me disarm the anger that I see around me. Because I'm asking myself, what's really going on? If I'm, it, rather than respond to the anger, if you'll ask yourself, if, if, if anger is a secondary emotion, then what are they afraid of? What are what, they upset at? What, what are they grieving? What is it, what, yeah. what is it that's behind this yeah. anger? Yeah. Because I think, I actually think um, most of the way that we interact with social media and with news agencies right now is driven by the click. You know, outrage. Yeah. Outrage. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. so um, if, you're not, if you're not careful, it is so easy to get sucked into it on either side. It doesn't. I'm not talking oh, yeah. about which. Yeah. No, no, which, I, totally. Which 100%. news agency yeah, yeah. you listen to? For but sure. you can get sucked in either way. To and before you yeah. realize it, it's a us and them 
you know, mentality. And, and whenever you start talking about people who Jesus calls your kinsmen, whenever you start talking about them as them or they or us and we, that the anger and the division has has taken root. Yeah. And so to me, I think this is a very real, I think this sermon is extremely important for us. Um, we've got to get ready for 2024. It's it's going to be a... You're talking bad, about the political climate the, that's going to happen. It's going to be a really angry yeah. um, time to live through. Sure. And... Because I people think, are going to be placing their trust in the political system, right? For the salvation of whatever they, they, they feel in the United States. Well, right? and if you think about that, if that's where you've got your hope and trust... <laughs> you're going to be it, disappointed. <laughs> you're, you're really unsettled yeah. by all that you see. Yeah. On either party. Sure. On either party, you sure. are unsettled. And so the solid ground of Christ allows us to work through a secondary emotion and to start really speaking into, and that's what I think that's what Jesus does so beautifully. In the midst of all of this anger, he, he confronts them very clearly and says, haven't you read? God wants mercy, not sacrifice. But then he says, I'm, a, I'm like what Isaiah 42 said. I'm a, I'm a, I'm smoldering wick. I'm a, I won't even put, I wouldn't even treat you this way. I won't bruise the reed. Um, I'm just, I'm what I said I was in just a few verses earlier. I am gentle and humble. Yeah. So that's, well, that's what we're going to get to next. And I, I love what you said about fear being, I, I actually hadn't thought about it that way. That's a really helpful thing because fear, obviously a dominant idea. And I was just joking. I said, what could possibly cast out fear? That's because true. I think that I was trying to get to the, the, the scripture that comes to mind, of course. Perfect love. Perfect love. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Yes. You guys have neglected love. Mm. That's the dominating, motivating factor for a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And he's asking his children to, to be secure enough in what he's done for us that we can extend that to other people, even though they attack us. So let's talk about this. Because Jesus says, I'm, I'm like what was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. This is my servant, and this is the the suffering servant kind of idea. Uh, God says, I'm going to put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. That's the idea of outrage in the streets, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no one's going to hear his voice in the streets. And then he says this, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not stuff out, snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. And in his name, the nations will put their hope. How did you... When you encounter that, explain how you read that, what you see in that, and what is Jesus trying to say? Or sorry, what is Isaiah trying to say about Jesus, and what is Jesus claiming for himself? Well, first, this is the longest Old Testament quote in Matthew. So that's interesting, um, that right in the middle of this conflict, Christ goes to the scriptures to explain who he is yeah. and how he how he interacts. And it... And this is why in the midst of all the rage, and there is a lot of rage and anger all around these passages in Matthew 12, um, this is the calming voice. I mean, it's to me, when I read it, it's like oil on your head. You know, it's like salve on your cut. It's, yeah. it's, it's this... But uh, it's not what they want to hear. Oh, no. But it's just authoritative, you know, it's calm, calm, peace, yeah. peace. What's fascinating is he says he's going to bring this victory, but he's going to do it in a way that doesn't even bruise a reed or snuff out a wick. So yeah. this victory is going to come in this 
strangely gentle way that they're not. I mean, for, for sure, John was very disappointed in does last this, week. Does this tie into like the idea of uh, like a lamb led to slaughter who doesn't even bleat? It, how, how do you think about yeah, this? Possibly. I, what I was thinking of was the victory. You know, it was three weeks ago or something that Jay preached a message and he said, what's the mission? The mission's victory. Yeah. The mission is going to lead us to victory, and he's. It's that same message now that he's actually seeing, um, prophesized by Isaiah. Yeah. That, but it's not victory of the powerful. It's justice for the weak. Yeah. It's justice for the broken. For and the it's, downcast. And it's victory over death. Yeah. There, there is a real yeah. victory of death and the sting sin, of death and, yes. and the power of sin Absolutely. and the penalty of it. And the principalities and all, yeah, all, yeah, all that. So the bruised reed, he will not break a smoldering wick. He will not snuff out. Does that speak to Jesus's, you're saying kindness? Is that the right word? His, what, what, what how would you describe that? Just that he's not going to be like these other guys? Yeah. Yeah. I think Smite you can read my enemies. Yeah. I think you can read it and say, oh, I'm the, I'm the, he's not going to put me out, but he's, it's a description of his character. Mm. Um, not ours. So yeah, um, yeah. Just throw that out there. There are two books that really delve into this character oh. of Jesus yeah. that I would recommend. One is actually from um, the era of uh, the Puritans, which is funny, um, but actually a beautiful b- book called *The Bruised Reed*, and that is by Richard Sibbs. And then there's another book. Uh, called Gentle and Lowly, and that's by Dane Ortland. Oh, yeah, yeah. And both of those are beautiful meditations on the gentleness of Jesus. But, I mean, here we see, it's so funny. He's like gentle, but also he's not backing down from a fight. I mean, right. he intentionally, right. right after they call out his guys for getting the grain, goes straight into a synagogue and is like, Oh, and just by the way, let me heal this guy's hands on the Sabbath, just in case like you were curious You're about. You're wondering if I really had authority <laughs> over this when he says yeah. something great. So right. He's here. picking a fight here. It's yeah. like he's gentle and also not backing down. He, but, but then look at the response. It's fascinating. It says the uh, right after he, he heals the man. Mm. And then he says, by the way, if you had a sheep and it fell in the pit, would you pull it out? How much more valuable is this? He's showing them they are heartless, right? He's showing them that they, and then it says the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Yeah. So this, this meekness, this bruised reed, the smoldering wick is going to lead to his death. Yes. Yeah. I, I wrote in my notes that they misread the scriptures and then they make being right more important than people. Yeah. Than serving and loving people. Yeah. yeah. And so they just, they, the misap, they misread the scriptures and then their application of it is, I got to be right. I mean, it, you, we got to do right. And anybody that's not doing right as I define it is out. Which is hard. I mean, in, if you're a Christian person in the 21st century living here in the Bay Area, you can feel an instinct to like cling to, you know, what you think is right in terms of what a Christian, you know, does or doesn't do or, and the world is just going a different direction. Mm-hmm. And so there can be this, there's a tension, right? Fear motivated sure. where you just get clingy and you, you can very easily lose sight of this. I think what you just said is so important. They make being right more important than people. Like Jesus was right all the time. 
but he did yeah. not lord that over people. He literally, as people are crucifying him, he's like, Lord, forgive them. They don't understand yeah. what they're doing. You can hold your rightness. You can be right and still love people, be kind right. and gentle and, and, and merciful yeah, to and, people. So we're not saying, you know, slippery slide and just give up all your convictions no, about what is right and what, what is wrong. That's what I was going to say. Is it's that, not about that. Yeah, we, it's like you have to use both your hands. With one hand, you hold. This is the interpretation of Scripture as best as I understand it. And maybe right. hold some humility there because, you know, in the, always hold in the X there. amount of years that I've been, been a Christian, I've changed the way I've seen things a few times, you know? And I'm sure I'll get to heaven and Jesus will be like, well, Karina, you, there was a few more you, changes. You kind of <laughs> didn't quite get that one, right? Yeah. So to the best of my understanding, this is how I understand scripture. It's important for you to be a student of Scripture. Please, please know what the Word says and follow it, obey it. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But with your other hand, you have to hold love, that primarily God is calling us to love him with our whole heart, mind, soul, body, strength, everything, and to love our neighbor, who Jesus defines as the Samaritan, like your enemy, love them, love them. So... The balance of grace and truth, the yeah. beautiful picture of Jesus full of grace and truth. We're not saying, as Karina just said, we're not saying there's, that there's not right, that there's not a, a correct way and there's a way that honors God. What we are saying is, is if the pursuit of rightness, you trample hearts and minds of people. You're getting it wrong. And that's what Jesus the, is saying. You, even though you may still have it right, it's wrong. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? It's yeah. wrong because... Yeah. Um, the end. The end game is 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 has got to be expressed through love. I desire mercy more than sacrifice. sacrifice. This is what God is asking. What does God desire? So, what's going on inside the Pharisees that make them want to kill Jesus in this moment? What What is it? What is is it? Fear? Is it control? Is it power? Um, yes, 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 and yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, their their whole world is being threatened. You, know, you you see an insight later on in a different. Uh, in a different instance in the Gospels where it's that says, oh my gosh, if we don't do something, the whole world will go to them. Yeah. I mean, they're threatened within and without. Yeah. Uh, they are uh, a colony of Rome. And honestly, if you knew anything about Roman culture, they're licentious. I mean, their lifestyle would make 21st century Silicon Valleyers blush. Blush. Yeah. Right. So they are they're nervous. They're nervous. Oh, my gosh. What if the Israelites start to shape shift into the Romans? So they're nervous about that. And then they're nervous. There have been all these messianic pretenders where people yeah. have been going left and right, following these guys who say they're the Messiah. And they're afraid of heresy. They're afraid of, you know, it's the what ifs. It's the big yeah. what ifs. And they see themselves as the keepers. Yes. You, you can't, Sadducees are not going to do it. The Sadducees are not going to do it. The, re, the religious um, civil leaders aren't going to do it. It's Pharisees Ooh, that feel like they've got to hang good. on to that thing. That fear, it's like, if I don't do it, nobody else nobody will. Nobody else will. It's all on my shoulders. We're the keepers. If you feel like you're the gatekeeper of morality, that's a like check engine light. Yeah. Woohoo. Like, yeah. be, be, tread, tread carefully. Hmm. That's yeah. good stuff. Well, it's just going to get worse from here. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just is. Jesus yeah. is going to have more conflicts. Yeah. Uh, it's going to get. It's going to heat up even more, and it's going to continue to heat up. 
mm-hmm. and to the point where they actually not just plot to kill him, but actually do kill Jesus. Yes. So this is where this is heading. Yeah, so it's right. interesting. I think you said maybe um, someone was saying if if people only had an accurate portrayal of the person of Jesus, they would believe and see that he's beautiful. But actually, here in this interaction, we see when people see Jesus at his most real, like healing a person, you know, it's like their instinct is not, oh, he's beautiful. I want to follow him. It's he is a threat. And actually, I want to kill him. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. That was a question, I think, from an artist from our, our creative collective that said, you know, I have an artist's heart and I believe that Jesus is beautiful and and if he's presented in all his beauty, he'll draw the hearts of people to him, which the Holy Spirit does do and and awakened in our right mind with our eyes open to see and our hearts to see, the Holy Spirit does do that. But there's also the idea that Jesus, uh, I remember after I saw um, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, like years ago, my buddy, we were both very affected coming out of it. My buddy turns to me and goes, Jesus causes everyone to spiral. And I love that spiral toward spiral heaven up or, spiral or spiral down. down. And I, I love that. He is a, a great confronter. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see more and more well, of that. That's next week we're going to see. There, you're, it's, there's a line in the sand. You're on one side or the other. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's going to get pretty intense. Yeah. So, well, thank you guys both. It was awesome talking to you about this stuff. I'm going to go walk out in the field, pick some grain, and uh, make myself some bread. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Okay. No, Amazing. I'm just, I don't know how to do that. Sourdough. Is, it, is, this, uh, is this a pro-gluten pas- passage? I believe, it, I believe it is. Yes. This is for sure leavened. Come on. That's it. <laughs> uh, non-keto diet Jesus and his disciples have. So. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys, and we will see you next week. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. bye. Just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford and Karina Gerard for stopping by. Always great to talk scripture with you guys. Thanks for your insights. Join me next week where Steve Clifford will be back. We're going to continue on in the book of Matthew where Jesus continues on with this conflict with the Pharisees. This time, the Pharisees are going to move from their smear campaign into character assassination. They're going to say that Jesus is actually working with the power of Satan. They're going to call him an agent of a demon, and Jesus is not going to have any of it. And he has some even more harsh words for the Pharisees. So we're going to delve into that. So join us for that next week, and we'll see you then.